0: Hey, listen, I'm really excited. Uh, We're gonna start a new series that's entitled Through the Wilderness. And basically, we're gonna talk for the next several weeks what it means and how we walk through the wildernesses of what we experience in life. So today, my message is gonna focus on a title called The Journey Begins. And I'm gonna set us up with a story about Abram from the Old Testament that helps to get us there. So I hope over the next couple of weeks that you'll tune in, and that you will be excited as I am as we come and we talk about um, how to move through the wildernesses of life. Well, years ago, Patty and I uh, decided we'd take a trip and we wanted kind of one of those just us kind of trips. Have you ever done that? Uh, it was kind of a spur of the moment opportunity. We, we did that and uh, we went ahead and we booked our air flights. Now, we, we picked one of those airlines where you don't actually have a guaranteed seat or you can't pick your seat. You know, I wasn't willing to pay the 25 bucks to get that upgrade, you know, I'm, I'm cheap, okay? So, so when we got there to line, our letter was like at the end and we had to wait till literally everybody else boarded the plane. And by the time we got on, um, we realized that there were no two seats together on this aircraft. So we kind of just said to each other, Patty took a seat in aisle 15 and I was way in the back at aisle 35 and we just looked at each other and said, well, I'll see you in Florida. Well, I was uh, really hoping, because it had been a, a great trip and we had done a lot of things, but it was a little exhausting, and I was just kind of hoping that I could just like an overstuffed potato, just sit in my seat and, and just kind of chill a little bit and not have to worry about talking to anybody or doing anything, and well, that didn't happen. I sat down in that row, and, and I was kind of hoping the guy next to me would just kind of ignore me, but, but that didn't happen either. And he asked me a question. He said, well, are you coming or going? And for a minute, I thought, well, I kind of hope I'm going to another road to get away from you. But, uh, but, you know, I decided I'd be kind of nice. And I just said, I'm oh, just coming back from a, a long trip and get ready to head home, and I'm really tired. And I was hoping he would take that as a hint, but he really didn't. And then he asked me a question. He said, well, what do you do? Now, folks, let me tell you, when someone asks me that question, what do you want to do? If I'm honest with them and I tell them what I do, it's usually a showstopper. They, they will just like turn the other way. It's almost like I have the plague. They don't want to talk to me. You're a pastor. So I decided as I've learned from the past, when someone asked me that question, I, I kind of stretched it a little bit. So I got creative and I said, well, I sell fire insurance. And uh, so the guy looked at me and smiled as he was striking a match. Not really, you can't do that. On planes anymore. But uh, so he looks at me and he says, oh, well, I I sell RVs. And I don't know why, but at that moment, I kind of saw Clark Griswold's Cousin Eddie's face come into my mind. I'm going like, oh no, I'm sitting next to Cousin Eddie and his RV. And then I kind of started feeling bad. And i thinking, you know, this guy's being truthful. He told me what he does. I need to come clean. So I looked back at him and I said, you know, a little bit earlier, I was stretching it a little bit, just trying to be funny, but in reality, I'm a pastor. And I thought as he was looking at me, I just thought, okay, here it goes. Uh, I'm gonna be, that guy with a plague, he's not gonna talk to me. And he looked at me and then something changed. He said, oh really? He said, you really are that. He said, that's great, but I'm not really into that God thing. And I looked at him and I thought, hmm, not into that God thing. So now all of a sudden, the one guy I wanted to avoid on the aircraft had my full attention. And I decided that I needed to spend some time with him and to kind of walk through some of the, the things that, that he was sharing with me. I said, you're not into the God thing. Is that true? And he said, yeah, really, that, that's true. Um, and he said, uh, but obviously you're into the God thing. And I said, yeah. I said, so, so you have nothing at all that you believe in? He says, well... He said, I kind of believe that, you know, we all believe in something and and if you just believe in something, it's okay no matter what you believe in because if it works for you, then hey, then that's kind of a good thing. And he said, "I'm, I'm just not into the God thing. I'm not into that belief stuff, but I'm okay with people thinking that they believe in luck or they believe in coincidence or all those other things that are out there. So I said, well, you mentioned the word belief. What do you mean when you say the word belief? He said, well, you know, I'm okay. If you want to believe in God, I'm okay with that. I mean, politically correct, he said to me. I'm not going to push you on that. He said, but, but quite honest, it's whatever you want to believe in. Now, I bet you, like me, know somebody who has that belief structure, don't you? That it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe in something, and it just kind of... Um, makes us to think a little bit about Christians, doesn't it? And then he said the thing that that really grabbed me. He said, I don't think it really matters what you believe in. But let me reiterate it, he said, but believe in something. And I think that that helps. Well, listen, um, if I'm going to be honest, that last statement he made was a correct one because because data shows us statistics show us research shows us that people who have faith in something people who believe in something whether they might be goals or whether it might be God or whatever it is that they have more success in life than somebody who has no belief somebody who has no goals somebody who doesn't really care what life will bring them so i said so you don't think it matters what you believe in he said nope not at all just as long as you believe so it engaged this conversation. And I thought about what this RV salesman was saying to me. I I thought that, hey, it's, it's, it's not that belief will make a way, I agree with that, belief doesn't make the way, but God makes the way. And I said there's a huge difference in saying you believe in something and it making a way in your life than actually understanding and trusting that God makes a way in your life. It's a belief of, of, in faith that moves us towards something, isn't it? It's a belief in faith that moves us kind of out of our safety zone, our belief structure, our thoughts, and moves us closer into the grip of God. It's, it's believing in something that moves us in that way. And I truly believe that it is our faith that is the first step that engages us into that conversation with God. And it is faith in God that brings us closer. So I said a little bit earlier about the story of Abram. Uh, Well, we're gonna go to that story and I'm gonna take you to Genesis chapter 12 and I'm gonna read to you a little bit out of verses one and two. Here's what it said. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, leave your relatives, leave your father's home and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Now think about the implications of that. Somebody says to you, leave everything that you know. Leave your job, leave your house, leave your family, leave your parents, leave all your friends, and just go where I'm telling you to go. I mean, you know, what we don't know in this story is really what Sarah, his wife's thoughts were when he came home and said, pack your bags, we're moving. We don't know that part of the story, but we know that um, God says to Abram, I'll give you many descendants and they will become a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name famous so that you will be a blessing. You see, Abraham has no idea where he's going. He can't fathom at all where he's going. God just says, I'm sending you off to a land. But here's what Abraham does know. He knows that he doesn't know where he's going, but he knows that God knows where he's going. And that's the big difference is what I want to look at here. He, he didn't just believe that he was going to just jump into his RV and, and drive across the vast lands of the desert and ultimately end up at some destination. What he knew was that God knew where he was sending him. And because God knew where God was sending Abraham, Abraham was willing to go because he knew of the promises that had come from God. Abraham knew who he was following. Now centuries later, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. It was faith that made Abraham obey when God called him to get to a country which God had promised to give him. So there's that faith component. It was faith that made Abraham believe. Uh, and trust, and then he left his own country, the writer says, without knowing where he was going, for Abraham was waiting for the city which God has designed and built, the city of what, permanent foundations, God knew. So what the RV guy said to me on the plane wasn't foreign to me at all. Well, you know, just believe in something. I hear that all the time. And I'm sure you do too. But the problem in life is is that we all, in some situations, realize that we've come to the end of our ability to find our way. We come to the end of our ability to provide fully for ourselves. We come to the end of our ability to provide enough security to make us feel that, that we have no more worries. We realize in our own inability that we cannot move forward without the help of God. And it's not just the belief in that, but it's the trust of the one who knows. You see, we need someone um, on the other end of, of the expression of faith. We need help in someone showing us what the next step is. We need help in someone to, to provide for us the key that will unlock the door that we're trying to get into. We need someone greater than ourselves to tell us what to do Because in reality, we don't know what to do. So one of the biggest oxymorons, I think, uh, of terms that come, that we come to understand in our life is a self-made man and a self-made woman. None of us are self-made. You did not create yourself. I didn't create me. God created us. So we are never self-made persons. And the psalmist proclaims these words that it is God who has made us and not we ourselves. and goes on to say that we are the sheep of God's pasture. And, and with that is that as God is our shepherd and we are the sheep, that, that we are supposed to not make our own way, but that we know that God has made the way and that our calling is to trust that we ourselves do not have the direction, the strength, the energy, the capabilities, but it is from God that we have all of those things and then some, and God moves us in our way. So what what I would say to my RV salesman uh, on the plane is that it does matter what you believe. Not only does it matter in what you believe, but I would look at him again and I would say, it matters in whom you believe, in whom you believe. And when we put our faith and trust in God, what we've done is we've done the one thing that we can as humans to accomplish the superhuman thing, because we have now moved ourselves out of our inabilities into God's capabilities. The message of the psalmist, along with testimonies of of many who go before us is this. When we begin to find our way through the wilderness of life, when we realize that we are not God, How do we get through the wilderness of life? The moment we recognize that we are not God and we recognize that that we we are not limitless, that we have limits, that we have ways in which stop us from moving forward in all of those things and we understand the truth that no, no matter how smart we think we are, that none of us has the ability to figure out everything in life that God is the one who does that. But we also have to remember, secondly, because God is the one who created us, that God has created us to live life with joy and with purpose and with direction and with success, that God places before us a life filled with those things and encourages us and leads us to find that path. Well, it sounds great, right? Hey, God leads it and God puts it out there, so let's just go do that. Well, it's not as easy as we think because we have to answer the question, what do I need to do or what do I need to know to do that? The sad truth is that that a lot of us do two things. The first thing that we do is we do the same thing over again, We, we recognize as we're trying something that it's not working so we fall into the trap of just trying it again. Years ago, someone said that's the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. So we just try those same things. We, we try harder to make our relationships work. We try harder to make our careers open the paths to, to help us to move ahead. We try harder to beat that, that, that habit or that addiction that plagues us. We try, we try, we try, only to find out that life is difficult and more difficult and that even with the most sincerest of hearts, we can't do it on our own. People in a difficult relationship uh, after a blowout fight, you know they they think, well, if I just if I just go and 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 let that person abuse me, or if I just go and let that person talk that way to me, or or treat me that way, if I just if I just let them do that, maybe this will work after all. And we find the same thing over and over and over again. Here's the here's the second thing we do. So so we we keep doing the same thing over and over. And the second thing is is at some point we we come to realize that we're just tired. We're tired of trying the same thing over and over and over and guess what we do? We don't do anything. We just kinda just stop and and we stop trying altogether. We we get tired and we give up and we say things like, I'll never get out of depression or I'll never be able to get back to a healthy life or I'll never find that one person that will love me that I'm searching for in life and we begin to build that self-defeatist attitude But here's the truth, the truth is that with stepping out of ourselves and into God's leading, when we are at wit's end, we begin the journey in God's hope. So we remove ourselves from this temptation of wanting to control everything, of wanting to make sure that we place everything in its proper way, because if we set the steps up, then we think we can succeed. But the only way to succeed is to be reminded of Jesus' words as he spoke on the Sermon of the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, it's not until we kind of hit rock bottom in our life, it's not until we we feel we can't go on, it's in those moments that this epiphany, this this aha moment comes. And we begin to think about maybe there's a bigger way. You know, Dr. Phil, I I don't watch Dr. Phil, but one of the, the lines that he he used, it, a lot of people have, is, you know, when life isn't going the way that you want and you're just repeating it over and over, he asks the question, so how's it working for you now? So, so the way we get out of that is to stop relying on ourselves. The journey begins when we realize that we have no more resources. The journey begins when we ask God to lead us and to provide for us and to provide help. So here's the good news, and, and this is what's really a life changer. When we ask God to help, we instantly have transcended from what we know of limitations in this world, and when we ask God to help, we transcend into a world of, of without limits because we are now joined with God, and, and God is able to, to be all things and, and to do all things, and now we are on the side of the one who is all things. And we are with the one who knows all things and can do all things. If you don't know by now, let me share with you what God brings to the table. When you surrender your life, when you say, I can't live life on my own anymore, I'm gonna stop trusting my relationships, I'm gonna stop trusting my employer, I'm gonna stop trusting my president, I'm gonna stop trusting the stock market, and I'm gonna start trusting in the one person who will never, ever wrong me and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put our trust there, we then receive strength and power. We get knowledge and wisdom. We get unlimited resources. We have guidance and direction of the complex problems that come in life, healing and comfort. Listen, with God, forgiveness and restoration and acceptance is possible. We learn how to love and to be in true community. We get hope and courage and values and principles. That's what happens when we just give it back to God and we say, God, it is is yours. My life is yours and God delivers those things. You see, here's the point. No matter what the limitation or circumstance that you find yourself in or up against in life, there is a God who can empower you and and gift you to go past your limitations and God is the only one that can turn the impossible in your life into the possible. Now folks, think about that. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't I want that? Why would I, and why would you, why would we want to hold on to our own stuff and say that we're gonna go figure this out? Whatever our experiences are, life begins when we give it over to God. So how does God do this? You know, John, the writer of uh, Gospel, but also the writer of Revelation, John says this, John reminds us that Jesus says that he stands at the door in, of our life and he knocks, and that if we will let him into the heart of, of our heart, if we will let him into our life, if we will let Jesus into the church, it's really the exact interpretation. If we will just let Jesus in, daily he promises to lead us to the fulfillment of our life. The key step, to know how God will make a way in your life is to say yes to God's invitation. Yes. For those of us who are uh, thinkers, for those of us who, who are scientists, or for those of us who are persons of logic, then think of it as if there's a line and you must physically take the step over the line. See yourself doing that. Train yourself to know that on this side of the line, it's not there. But if you say yes to God, envision yourself stepping over that line and saying, I'm yours, Lord. Come as you have promised. Instead of seeking things in life, the scripture says we seek God in our life. <clears throat> Success in life is not measured by what we have. It's measured by who is in our life. And that's, then that's God. Jesus says in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and then all the things that are to be added unto you will come. The only way that's gonna get you to do that, the only way to get going in that, is to take that step and to stop controlling and living your life the way that you've chosen, but instead live it the way that God is. So saying yes is the first step. Saying yes is what matters. Saying yes to God's leading, to turning over your life, to giving yourself to your creator. And trust me, if you will do that, I promise you that God is there, that God has been waiting, that God is is waiting, standing there with open arms to embrace you into that. Many of the times, though, that we, 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 we kind of do that, but we take a step back, and we continue to work on our own. But God says, give me your life fully. God will make a way. It's simple. It's powerful. It's real. And when you give your life to Christ, what the Lord will do for you is he will give your life meaning, and the results of your life will last. Because when you connect with God and you walk in his ways, a whole new world can open up. And trust me, as I'm looking at you right now, the journey begins. Just say yes.